This is the iRacers Lounge, featuring the latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and more. Now here's Alan Fajari and Mike Ellis. Welcome to iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Alan Fajari. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. And today we have Carlos Fonseca, Lance Channels, and Mike Ellis. Hey. All right. Now, today we don't have any guests for the show, but uh, we have a lot of topics to talk about. New build came out, a lot of changes, a lot of stuff happening. Uh, people reporting different things, people reporting good, some bad. Um, so let's just kind of kind of get into it. First of all, let's uh, let's talk about the NIS races that we had with the new build, which is uh, Richmond and and Chicago. Let's talk about Richmond first. Um, what do you guys think about uh, the new build and uh, the dynamic tracks with uh, Richmond? Well, I you know I think it's totally different. Uh, well, maybe not totally different, but it's definitely different. Um, I think everyone was looking for those marbles, so, you know, that first week at Richmond. Um, but when it, it appears that you're not going to see them if the track is not fully rubbered in already. And also uh, for these NIS races, uh, iRacing has turned on where they clean the marbles off on every caution. Uh, so if it's not, a you know, green flag runs, uh, you're never going to see marbles. So uh, I think it took a little bit for people to get used to that. Um, yeah, but were you able to run like the high line at Richmond? Yeah, you know, moving around, uh, you know, I think the bottom was still the place to be, but you could certainly run side by side with somebody, and uh, it was fun. I, I came out of there with uh, a couple top tens and actually ran uh, probably better than I run, uh, finished better than I ran, and got a ninth in the open and a sixth in the fixed. Yeah, but. Uh... Do you think the racing was any cleaner because of the moving around the track, or do you think it was still just the way it was, has always been? Yeah, same old stuff, you know, same people, too. Yeah, that's kind of what I found. I found, to me, I don't think Richmond was too much a difference. I found the low line to be the line to run. Um, but you could run the high line in turns three and four. But if you're up on the high line in one and two, basically you were letting someone go. That's kind of what I thought. Um, so to me, it, it but it was it was interesting to see the track get darker, uh, especially on low line, um, and see where it was all rubbered in. I think that was kind of fun. But I didn't really see that much of a difference for when you were trying to find grip type of thing at Richmond. My finished second running the one groove up. Yeah, you so had a good run there, didn't you? Yeah, I led the last, I don't know, I led a few of the last laps there and got past. Let one yeah. go. Well, for me, I guess I really can't say that much because uh, I never really had an opportunity <laughs> to to actually run that much, uh, involving some some wrecks there. But, uh, but you know, that's just, a, in my observation, I only saw the low line being being used but uh but uh you were doing the one lane up on yeah. which on both turns well let you into a run i was yeah both in one and two and three and four 
But at the start, I was always at the bottom. Then I eventually, I'd move up. All right, Lance, how'd you do? Oh, I didn't run uh, Richmond outside of uh, the league race, but uh, I, I wasn't terrible. It was, um, it was interesting watching people run around and look for the new lines. Yeah. Um, but I think where you can really see the track changes was our next race was at Chicago. Um, it, in the, there was some difference between open and fixed for Chicago. For me, personally, with my open set, low line was the way to go. And, and as I would see people move up higher and the groove go up higher, my low line still had the most grip and still was the way to go for me personally. On the fixed side, it was different. Um, matter of fact, uh, we were just in a race and I had Lance right behind me. And uh, I was actually able to hold off Lance just by staying in the high line, and he couldn't uh, get a good run on the low line on me. Um, why don't you talk about your frustrations there, Lance? <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, it was very difficult uh, that late in a run to uh, to get to the bottom and get around somebody. Um, I just I spent uh, several laps just kind of waiting for you to slip up and leave that high line open so I could get around. Yeah, that was uh, that was actually a lot of fun. I think I think it's like tracks at Chicago is where you can really see the difference. Uh, Mike, what was your experience at Chicago? Well, I got wrecked early, but first off, uh, you know, congratulations to you on the win, uh, first one in uh, this year in the series. So uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'll just tell everybody. I mean, you stayed out there uh, on a late caution when everyone else came for tires. And took the lead and uh, and kept it. Good job. Well, thank you very much. I was planning on uh, there was three laps ago, and I was planning on having a quick caution. And uh, otherwise, I probably would have finished mid pack. <laughs> but uh, I was just taking a chance, and it ended up working out. So thank you. Yeah, I mean these wins are hard to come by. So uh, yeah, kudos to, to that for sure. I, I think, you know, Chicago, I was good at the top, both in the open and the fixed. Uh, uh, during the league race, I saw Tyler Hudson running up there right away. Everyone else was on the bottom. And it was the first time on the dynamic track. It was Monday. And it was like, you know, he started running up there and uh, and nobody else was there. And I ventured up right behind him and kind of tried to follow him up through the field. Wasn't able to. But uh, I it kind of grew on me. And I really liked that top at Chicago. Hell, I got involved in that lap one wreck and that race you were in. But the fixed, different story, fun race. Yeah, I definitely found with the fixed, the top line uh, was the way to go. And I think that's just because of the way the car was set up, where it was tighter. And it got definitely, definitely tighter later on the run. So having that run in that high line later in the run just was the way to go. And uh, I think that's great that they that they have that now because before um, it was just, I, you always want to do the low line, even if you had to put on the brakes and everything else to try to be on the low line. And now just running the high line just seems to work. It wasn't that just the car was tighter on the long run. It was so tight that it broke loose and on the exit. And that's pretty much why you couldn't pass on the bottom in a run. Yeah. Uh, what about, you know, the fall off now the tire fall off, was it about a second and a half and it seemed like it started about lap 13 to 15 for everybody uh that fall off and boy i just 
once they fall off, I did felt like I was slower than everybody else. I just couldn't uh, hold on to it like some others. I had that feeling on uh, that Wednesday open. You know, I was struggling the entire race. So after after 10 laps, the car was like it was on ice, and that was me using a setup that I shouldn't have made because I'm horrible at that. But you know how that goes with the fix. Different story. I was decent throughout the entire run. You know, quick quick enough to stay with people, but you know, saving enough tires so I'd be decent on the long run, but we never got a long enough run in. Yeah, well, that's another uh, real good thing about the dynamic track is that it really puts a lot more strategy into play. Are you going to run hard at the beginning of your run? Are you going to just take it easy and try to save the tires? You know, there's so much strategies now to be played, especially at a track like Chicago, not unlike, you know, like Richmond. But like Chicago is just so many strategies and it really you could tell the the difference and I thought even though there was still a lot of cautions because it was uh, incredibly loose off of two and even with people with their open setups they basically take their qualifying setups and drop the tape and they're still really loose. But um it it just it seems like it was a lot more strategy involved is that what you guys saw? Well, I think it was a strategy was available to you of course, but I think I'll most I felt like most of the people were just running as hard as they ever could. You know, every lap is a qualifying lap, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, but I think one of the things that that really now comes into play, though, is that, you know, before you used to be able to find, okay, here's the fast line. You knew that the fast guys were able to find the fast line around there, and then they just stuck to it all race. And, but now it's, it's, it that doesn't work that much anymore and that's what you know people are seeing some some of the guys that are normally really fast not necessarily finishing in the top very much anymore and and of course now since they put that anti-cheat thing in there people going oh well they can't cheat anymore it wasn't that they were cheating it was just that they had the fast line and it worked for them the whole race and now it doesn't yeah kind of like carlos was saying at the beginning of the run the bottom's the place to be but as the tires wear you can move up and you had to move up, really. It's going to be really hard for those guys that uh, have been just overly aggressive and hard chargers to change their behavior. It's just so ingrained in them. I think that's what I was trying to say, Lance, is those hard chargers are still charging hard. <laughs> uh, well, you just, after they charge hard for a few laps, you just reel them in and go on by. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's the dynamic tracks is is great. I think it's it's fantastic. Uh, I don't think you're going to see too much changes uh, with them at places like Richmond and Martinsville. We'll see about Bristol, but at the at the 1.5 milers, there's we're going to see all sorts of different lines and different strategies, and I think it's that's great. I think Dover um, is the one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, but we're we're now able to race now. Yeah, able to race. Uh, one thing that's going to be interesting is uh, uh, play tracks, though. I want to see what happens at play tracks. So I wonder if that, uh, if you can. Like handling will come into play more. and Yeah, exactly. So it might be, uh, might be more interesting. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see when we hit Talladega what's going to happen. Well, you know, I'm, I'll be a good barometer of that because I'm always good at Talladega. And uh, we'll see if I run well or not. That'll that'll be a good bearing. All right. And uh, speaking of the NIS and uh, and how uh, we do things, um, me and Mike have a little count counterpoint 
deal on what we call catching up to the pace car, which uh, Mike is starting to get a little bit famous for, uh, saying it during a race of, uh, come on, people, let's catch up to the pace car. And uh, so, Mike, you posted a kind of a rant, I guess. I, I did. I actually posted a rant after uh, getting deprived of fixing my car and, and track position by all these guys that just don't know how to race. All right. And what you came out with is that uh, there's a lot of people that don't understand the procedures involved, the intricacies and actual practices of oval NASCAR racing. One of these items are the procedures for when a caution comes out during over race. Number one, slow to safe speed, avoid the issue once you're safe, proceed at speed until you can catch up the pace car and field. Two, enter pit road, single file, bumper to bumper. Three, pass only on the pass only to the right on pit road after the car ahead of you has committed to his box. So, so yeah, I just listed a, a couple rules there that um, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say in this editorial was iRacing doesn't teach these guys NASCAR rules, and there's a lot of implied rules that are not in the sporting code and stuff, and, and they're implied. Like, for example, we do double file restarts. We have lucky dogs. That's not in the sporting code. But it's implied rules, okay? So this is the same thing on on these uh, catching the the pace car on a, on a caution. There's some implied rules. The other day, I actually uh, was able to watch a NASCAR drivers meeting at an Xfinity race at Richmond uh, via Periscope uh, from one of the media uh, in the NASCAR media, and uh, took some notes there. And that's what you're actually seeing there. Uh, what you just read off. As far as slow to a safe speed, uh, once you're safe, uh, you know, proceed and so forth. So you took this off a of real racing? Absolutely. Not off of guys running on the computers sitting at home. Hell, That's right. Can, but isn't it an implied race, implied rules? You know, I mean. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, NASCAR's. I mean, iRacing isn't going to black flag the guy for going real slow catching up to the pace car. All right. So here's kind of my counterpoint to this subject. How many times have you raced up to catch the field? There's a car behind you racing up to catch the field. You slow down for the field. He doesn't quite make it, and you end up getting wrecked. It's happened, but not not too often. I mean, uh, you got to watch those mirrors, and I understand that. But uh, how about when you're going into pit lane? How many times have you been bumped in the back going into pit lane? A lot, but that you know that bumper to bumper thing. I mean, straight from the horse's mouth, David Hoots, who runs NASCAR, uh, he said it right in the video. It's bumper to bumper getting onto the pit road, and if you're not bumper to bumper, you're not doing it right. Well, I understand, but, you know, when you're in a – this was Xfinity, right, that they yep. were talking to? Yeah. Okay, so these guys are real racers in real cars having a, having a real situation. They've been in there for a long time, and you're telling me that I got to trust some guy that I don't know who's sitting on his computer just as much as a real race car driver trust the guy behind him? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the NIS is, uh, what is it? It, You know, I want to point out what it is. It's called the NASCAR iRacing Series. We're trying to simulate what NASCAR does. 
And all my point is, is when I tell people that, hey, you're going 80 miles an hour, you're three quarters of a lap down, and everyone's pitting, but you're three quarters of a lap back. When I speak up, I'm trying to, you know, educate them. Look, this is not how NASCAR does it. You're in here to, you know, simulate NASCAR. Let's do it, you know. Now, you don't even got to be excessively quick to catch up. Just enough to stay with, at least within sight of front-running cars. Well, see, that's that's what I don't mind. But I still leave a gap. Now, I, I might catch up, and I'm not also one that stops on the road to wait for this because it tells me to let some car go by. You know, I'll just keep up, and if he if he catches up, he catches up. Otherwise, I might have to stop before I get in the pit lane. But otherwise, uh, I will keep it a little bit of a distance. I am not going to go bumper to bumper. I am not going to go race up to catch the field. And the reason why is I'm not worried about me. I believe that I can catch up and up to the field. I'm worried about the cars behind me. That's what I'm worried about because I've seen it way too much, happen way too often. It's not only happened to me, but I've seen it seen it before happen to other people. And um, you know, actually, my second NIS race ever, which was last year Phoenix, I got hit pretty darn good just in line going into uh, pit road during the caution. And from then on, I decided, you know what, I'm leaving a gap. So just in case I need to speed up a little bit, because I don't, you know, because the car behind me just seems to be, you know, rushing in, I'm going to do it. And so that's the, that's the reason why I do it. I don't exactly, you know, what they would call catch up. Now, if you're half a lap behind, obviously, you know, there's a problem there. But if you got a gap, that's, I believe, in leaving that gap. Well, even the gap, I, I wish there was a stat we could look up how many cars I've passed on pit road. And I bet you, you yours is really low because you leave that gap. If you leave a gap, you're never going to gain spots on pit road. You know, gain anyway. you know, if I'm in, if I'm in uh, top split or something like that, where I might, or, or if I'm in a race where I trust people, which, you know, a lot of times in league races I am, then I got no problem. But right. f- for these, let's face it, they're pickup races in NIS. I don't trust anybody. So I'm not going to, I am not going to do it. I'm going to leave the gap. And if I lose spots on pit road, I lose spots on pit road. I'll pick it up on the track. I really don't care. Uh, the other thing is it, it, when you leave those 10 car length gap, uh, everyone behind you, you're, you're handicapping them too. Uh, those 10 car length gap because yes, they am. have an opportunity to take this fuel only or something and try to get a few spots, but they can't because you left a big old gap. Then they, and then I hope that they were in front of me. That's all I'm saying. Well, and I'm saying it, you know, a good gentleman race car etiquette is to not do that is to have, you know, be as close and tight as, you know, safely possible, uh, you know, from the moment the caution starts till the moment the caution is over. That's what they do in NASCAR. Well, I, again, I, I do believe I'm, am safe as possible here. And it's, it's because of the fact that I want to keep myself safe. Well, and you know me, I, I you know, I'm not going to call it out if it's, if it's, you know, like you're t- describing, where it's just a safe distance. I'm calling it out when the guy is going 80 and he's not speeding up at all, and we're a half lap behind. That's when I'm calling it out. I did that today in this morning's race, uh, and I, it was uh, Thorndike. Uh, he was asleep at the wheel, um, and I said that, "Hey, Thorndike, are you sleeping? What? Let's go." 
But like yeah. Alan said, it comes down to a, a, a trust issue. If you race with the same guys week in, week out, you know what they're going to do. And that's going back to Alan and I on the track racing uh, nose to tail. I knew what he was going to do, and I, I have hoped that he was pretty well aware of what I was going to do. Uh, I've seen numerous times guys shifting in their chair, and they accidentally hit the um, the brake pedal instead of the clutch, and then your race is done. I'd rather leave a two- or three-car length gap than have my race done because some idiot couldn't distinguish his pedals. Yeah, that's pretty much what I do on restarts is uh, just give him at least a car length or two you know in front of me because half the time they screw up and take me out with them but you know but like mike was saying if they're half a lap behind what what are they waiting for yeah it's also yeah you could talk about restarts in the same type of way is that i do the same thing i'm not the i'm not on the guy's tail right on a restart matter of fact uh there was a guy that uh passed me last night on a one lap shootout uh, on a restart and uh you know, he actually put us into a five-wide situation here. I backed out of the thing. He ended up in the wreck, you know, and and it was just kind of like, you know, I don't know what you're doing. And he's like, well, you didn't go. I was fine. I was right behind the car that I was. I just wasn't on his bumper. You know, why wasn't I on his bumper? How many wheel spins have we seen? How many wrecks have we seen right at the, at the restart? You know, we saw some today. It's just kind of like, you know what? I am going to protect myself. I'm not going. I'm not worried about you getting your start. <laughs> and so, and that's kind of that's kind of what what happens there. Is just it, you you have to do the things because you don't trust them. Now, how many cars have you seen on a real on a real race? Uh, uh, just like a real NASCAR, either Cup Series or Xfinity Series or Truck Series. So we'll only talk about top three. We're not going to talk about, you know, like that happened at IndyCar at uh, Indianapolis Road last year or whatever that was where there was a big wreck on a restart. So just on the top three NASCARs, how many wheel spins were you seeing where the guy just turns it and wrecks half the field? It's not happening. It's not happening, but you see it in iRacing all the time. You know, so... Wasn't that what got you a win? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, it actually did, yeah. And then, so, yeah, it was yesterday, I think I finished 12th, uh, when a bunch of them wrecked on the last lap when they had it stayed out on old tires, so... So it's 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 about... It's really about protecting yourself, so, and that's, and it's a lack of trust that I have around the other people now, you know, guys that are listening to the show, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's true. I don't really trust that many of you. <laughs> I have to race with, race with you for a while before I, you know, throw out that trust. So it's just, it's just the way it is. And there's well, guys that, you know, you, you, there's guys, you know, that are, that are antsy and, and the ones that do the wrecking and the ones that do the wheel spins and stuff like that. There's guys, you know that they do that. So, um, yeah, so that's the way it is. So that's my rant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, Hey, and the other, the other last part of this rant, uh, you know, just to finish off of the thought was the poor guy who's got the damage. That's, you know, running 27th. He's got five minutes damage. He's, you know, under caution. He's like, oh, okay, yellow came out. I can get my repairs done. 
he, he gets right up on the guy behind him and it's 26 and he, you know, patiently, patiently wait until everyone pulls around. But if you only have one or two or three guys that want to just be lackadaisical and roll around and not catch up to the field, this poor sap cannot get any repairs done. He pulls in and looks in the relative and here comes the pace car. And uh, boy, that's happened to me so many times and it gets frustrating. And, uh, you, you know, when those, if you call those people out and, and I have, as you've pointed out, it works. I mean, they actually speed up and, and go catch the field and, and I might be able to get a minute repair, you know? So, uh, that's the other side of that. Yeah. Actually what I do for that situation is I wait to the second time around where I'm closer to the base car to be able to make my stop. But, uh, you know, I understand that, but, um, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's part of life here. You know, that's, that's just, and just I, you know what my thought. takeaway is too, when I did, when I wrote this and I, I didn't really write this part of it, but my takeaway was, wow, that, that was kind of neat watching that Xfinity drivers meeting and, and watching the video and seeing all the rules that NASCAR actually tells the drivers. And there's a lot, I mean, I only did, I went over a couple of them, but you know what? I think iRacing almost needs something like that. Like you go register for a race and a little video pops up uh, that kind of reviews the rules and stuff or something like that. Um, like I said earlier, a lot of these rules are implied rules. They're not documented by iRacing anywhere. Well, even if they're documented, I'm not sure if it's going to make that much of a difference. You know, um, you know, the only time that you can really enforce rules is if you have live stewards in there yeah well i like to educate so that's what we'll call it uh, mike's education on pacing 101 right <laughs> okay all right and last week they had a peak antifreeze race at darlington and, hey uh, um, before you go into that one i, I wanted to talk right. about the points just briefly um for the nis uh as you know, uh, uh, sorry, I'm pulling it up. But uh, Michael Abrams is the leader there in the fixed, and I think it's Chuck Sweeting is the leader in the open. Um, and uh, something that's going on in the forums this week, I think Jay Heisman st uh, started it off an idea from James Falcon Pratt. They've decided to make up their own little chase for the championship, and they're going to track it separately points from the top uh, 16 drivers in Division Two and Division One, I. I think Jay Heisman is actually uh, doing Division Two, and then I saw another guy doing Division Three. I think so. Uh, some of these uh, drivers are actually going to, you know, document their own chase for the championship and have the contender round and all the different, you know, the four elimination rounds down to Homestead, just like they do in NASCAR. And it's kind of exciting. I'm involved in a couple of those, uh, and so uh, I just wanted to mention it. And thanks to Jay for putting that together. I didn't even see that you barely made the fix. Yeah, I was in there by the skin of my teeth, but uh, hope to do well. And um, I'm I'm happy to say that you know I'm on the front page of the overall division of of the Open Series and 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 uh, doing pretty good over there, looking at 15th overall. So, well, good job, Mike. Um, and actually, since you mentioned Michael Abrams. Uh, did anybody get an opportunity to watch this Thursday night race from Richmond that he has on YouTube? I missed that. All right. Uh, 
I, I know this probably isn't the place to to really point it out, but uh, it is part of the deal. He was in the top split Thursday night, Richmond fixed race, and um, he intentionally wrecked Jay Beasley. Yikes. Yeah. He's wrecking someone intentionally. Yeah. It's the first time I've ever seen Mike actually uh, do something like that. On the, I know he is, he's said things about people and stuff on the thing, like we all do who record. And, you know, I mean, we say stuff. But, uh, yeah, he, he intentionally wrecked. Now, there was, a, there, was a, there was a point where Jay Beasley got dive-bombed dive him into one and got into him. And, uh, of course, he didn't like that very much. And so next time he had an opportunity to get behind him, was which caution laps, he got right behind him and was just b- tapping him for those zero Xs, you know, just kind of tapping him. But then a little bit later on in the race, he got behind, got behind him in turn one, dive-bombed the crap out of him, hit him, knocked him into the wall. It was totally on purpose. You could tell it was on purpose. And then he, he drove off. So... Um, he probably should be parked, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, again, it's another one of the situations. Last show I mentioned Joshua Justice and his video. But Mike Abrams, he posted his videos, and it's right on there. So you can see it. It's Thursday night. I, I guess that's the drawback of uh, always uh, streaming your, your races if you do something bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. And also if you say things about people and that kind of stuff, I guess sometimes you hear about them. But uh, but yeah. It, now, how but many I rating is this guy? He's six thousand four hundred fifty-two. Wow. Yeah, he's actually normally a very clean racer, you know. Which I still think he's a clean racer. He just he just let it get to him. The uh, incidents of you know that incident that had him, he just for some reason just let it get to him. And uh, unfortunately, also during in his chat sessions, people were kind of egging him on to do it, and I don't know if that kind of that kind of got to him too, but you know, just uh, not a good thing. No. So, and actually, uh, one thing that we don't have on our list that I also kind of, because I do kind of want to talk this, about the same thing, is that they had the Justin Wilson Memorial Race uh, last Saturday. Anybody participate? I missed that one actually. Lance, you drive the Indy car sometimes. Did you participate in the Justin Wilson race? No, I was out at uh, Brainerd International Raceway trying to play a real race car driver last weekend. Ooh. Ooh, we'll get to that in a minute, okay? But uh, the Justin Wilson um, uh, deal was uh, to watch some of Top Split. It was broadcast on Race Spot. By the way, Will Vincent, you do a wonderful job. You sound just like a like a real broadcaster, I'll tell you that much. Especially with that English accent he has, you know. Um he, he does a wonderful job. And uh, so anyways, uh, congratulations to Ray Ofala on winning the top split race. It w- The race got very interesting. And I'll tell you one thing. If you watch the race spot race, uh, have an opportunity to go watch Kevin O'Keefe's video. He was in the top split in that thing. And you will see a different race. Um, it was hard to believe that it was a memorial race, to be honest with you. There was intentional wrecking. The language in, that these people used were was uh, embarrassing. Uh, the call-outs, the, the stuff that was going on, 
um, I think was it was it was a little bit kind of embarrassing moment for iRacing to have in a memorial race. And actually, someone pointed it out near the end. They got on there and chat and said, "Hey, you know, real nice memorial race we got going on here." Right. So it's just I you know I and I I saw it. it happened right in front of Kevin. You can you can see a car who just he was wrecked. He waited for the for the field to come by again, and then he went right up the track and tried to wreck someone. He ended up missing them and slamming into the wall. But he tried. Kind of like uh, Jeff Gordon at Phoenix. Move. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It was uh it was that type of move and. Uh, but, uh, you know, for the people that participated in it and uh, besides the top split, because I thought that was crap, uh, hopefully the other splits were not. But uh, uh, for the guys that uh, did pretty well, congratulations. And for everyone that participated, uh, good job. Uh, and uh, hopefully it, uh, it did some good. Also, there was a, uh, a donation page that you can see from uh, on Kevin O'Keefe's video. I'm sorry, I don't have it. Here, but there was a donation page that you can donate for uh, for uh, uh, for his family. Um, yeah, just go to indycar.com and, they, and there's links from there. Um, uh, okay. And uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff going on to try to help support that family. There was a big eBay auction going on. Uh, Graham Rahal got all the IndyCar drivers to put up their helmets uh, for for the auction, and they raised a ton of money for the kids. So, um, yeah, kudos to the entire community for coming out for this event, and I'm kind of sorry I missed it. Yeah, all right. Let's go to the Peak uh, Series. They, they ran at Darlington last week, or was no, it was actually this week. And uh, it was an interesting race. Uh, I believe uh, Ray Alfala had the lead there for a, w- a long time. And, um, but uh, it came down to a situation where they were on a long green flag run. And a lot of the leaders end up pitting. Um, uh, Landon Harrison was able to not pit and stay out there when a caution flew out. So, of course, uh, a lot of those cars were a lap down. And so... the uh, Landon was able to take the lead there, um, and a lot of the a lot of the cars that were leading the early part of the race had to take a wave around, and uh, then Landon was able to kind of uh, hold them off for the for the win in the peak. So uh, congratulations to uh, Landon Harrison on a good win at one of the toughest tracks there is, and some is of the toughest Darlington. competition there is too. I, you know. Kudos. That was a great run and a good uh, strategy, it sounds like. Yep. Good run, good strategy. So, good job there. And uh, then we had a Grand Prix World Championship race at Suzuka. Yes. And uh, uh, the guy I've been talking up, the the American, the young American, Mitchell DeJong, I think is how you say it. Uh, We talked about him last time, but uh, he wins at Suzuka. And uh, had a great run. I watched, uh, or kind of skipped through part of this race, but watched uh, towards the end. Uh, one thing I wanted to point out, I was kind of disappointed with. Uh, team orders uh, were in play at the end of this race. Uh, Pachella let Hutu, Gregor Hutu, buy from fourth to third on the final turn of the race. And uh, they are teammates. Uh, but boy, it just reminded me of the whole Michael Schumacher, Rubens Barrichello mess where, you know, Rubens had to do the same thing literally on the last corner, come to a stop and let him go by so he can get some more points. And I'm just disappointed to see that's happening in iRacing. 
Well, yeah, you know, but uh, again, it's realistic. <laughs> but uh, I kind of thought Hoodoo had that uh, championship all kind of sewn up. So, well, that's the thing. I mean, why does he happened? need another point? I mean, that's the thing. He, you know, he has so many wins this season, and you know, does he really need that extra point so he can get on the podium? Right, kind of like uh, like the Peak Series. Like I don't think anybody from the team needs to let uh, Humpy go by because Humpy's basically got that thing sewn up, you know. Well, he's probably gonna go by him anyway. Well, and it, you know, I want to say there's a gentleman's, you know, way to race, and and that's not the way to do it, you know. And I I, I don't know. I was disappointed with that. You know, I guess I'm a NASCAR guy. We don't do that in NASCAR much, uh, but. Uh, it, it was a shame that see that I was kind of surprised. Yep, but it does does happen in real life. Uh, what was it, the Michael Waltrip team? Oh yeah, yeah. A but years ago. I mean, they get penalized big time for that. I mean, they're they're actually closing their doors after this season because of that. What of what the, uh, ha- occurred? Yeah, didn't they lose like Napa? Yeah, they and... lost sponsorship, and and here we are two or two three years later, and and it's caught up to them completely. Right. Uh, you want to talk about uh, some racing magazine? I do. Uh, new, epi- uh, n- new episode, I guess you should say, uh, new magazine <laughs> is out. Uh, great magazine, guys. Uh, whoever's in charge of this, it's called uh, Sim Racer, uh, Sim Racing Magazine. Uh, and there's an interview with Greg Hutu in there, uh, Gregor Hutu, uh, which was kind of interesting. I skimmed through that, but I uh, just wanted to point that out. You can go Google for that. Uh, it was a free uh, link. Uh, for me anyway, and kind of neat to read through. There's a lot of neat products in there, hardware-wise, to check out. They do talk about other sims besides iRacing, but iRacing is a big part of it. All right. And uh, so then let's talk about one of the new news or new items that iRacing said they're going to put out here soon. Um, which everything soon, but anyway, they announced that they're going to build a new car, which is the 2016 Audi R8 LMS to its uh, GT3 lineup. And uh, they did mention uh, some of the cars that are going to be part of the GT3 series. I don't know when this is going to come out, but it seems to be that they are going to be dropping some. So it says that the new Audi R8 LMS is slated to compete with the BMW Z4, the Ford GT, and the McLaren, um, and the soon-to-be-released Mercedes uh, GT3 car. So uh, I don't see a portion there. No, not yet. I'm kind of hoping. I like the diversity. Yeah. Um, right now, what's the max amount of cars that they can have? Different types of cars. I don't know. Five. That sounds so, right. Yeah. If yeah, you were to host so, a race, I think there's five, five cars you can pick. Right. So this would be five without the Porsche. So if they were to include the Porsche, then they would have to up it to six. So I got a feeling there's going to be five, and I think that's their plan. I think their plan is to drop the Porsche off of that. Maybe they're going to have a different series. Didn't they chase uh, the Porsche before, like a couple years ago, and it was too expensive or something? The not Porsche? The what? Never mind. I say the not Porsche because it's a roof. Oh, 
It's totally not a Porsche. <laughs> it looks like it's obviously a Porsche, but why not? Well, look, it looks like they're dropping that. Maybe they're going to have a roof uh, complete series and have them like in different classes. Yeah. Sort of like what they yeah. did with the HVD, put it with the Radical. Yeah. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do that, where you can race all either one of the four different types of cars, and they'll be in different classes. They all just look the same. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see what they're going to do. Um, Mike, you want to talk about the next one? Yes. Um, the There's a uh, competition uh, sponsored by Mazda, and I think we mentioned this before, where they take uh, 10 iRacers, uh, and they they basically give them a shot in a real car, in a real situation. And uh, those candidates have been selected. I don't think we're going to read through the names. Uh, Matt Busa, uh, notably, is one of them. Uh, we've talked about him before. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was a, a post in, on Facebook on the 14th about it um, where they named out the people. So congratulations to those guys, and I hope they have fun. Yeah. And then uh, let's talk about the the X1 group. And the, okay, so this is a blurry line between the real racing world and the and the sim racing world, and this story actually really blends it together even more. There's a story out in Racer.com, which is a reputable source for information. Uh, if you go to Racer.com, you can look it up. But there's a group called X1 Group that is uh, wanting to buy IndyCar, the Verizon IndyCar series. And they've had discussions with the IndyCar about it, actually had meetings and so forth. What they intend to do is buy IndyCar and have some kind of business model where there's a simulation software where iRacers get to race the real racers somehow at the same time. Um, and there's a lot of questions, obviously, about how that would actually work. Um, Carlos, you looked into this a little bit. What do you think uh, this is about? When did I look into this? I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> All right. But we'll have to see. I mean, obviously, I had some Twitter discussions with some indie diehard fans about this uh, as well. And the big thing that I realize that they don't have is they need something like iRacing or they don't, they can't do what they want to do. Um, they need some kind of software. And, and part of the discussion was, well, if anyone could pull this off, iRacing probably could, but what they're wanting to do is somehow the, the real race car drivers are on track. We're sitting at the sim at the same time. We can see them on the track and we're somehow racing against them. But my question is, well, how do they know where I'm at and how to avoid me? You know, so, I don't know how it would work. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But that's the vision. You know, you read the article. That's what you're going to see. Right. Um, it's kind of like you know when you jump into a, a race and you can ghost. Yeah, like a ghost, ghost situation. Practice, yeah. That's what they're talking about. Like you can see them as ghosts and you can race with them, kind of thing. That's the premise. It'd be a subscription base. Thing the team, the IndyCar teams would get this revenue. They're talking about you know all kinds of millions of dollars and stuff. Uh, you go and look, and Racer went Racer.com went and looked up this company uh, 
and they have a very uh, parse online presence. They have a website, they have a Twitter account, but there's nothing there. You know, they, it doesn't look like a, a company capable of the technology they're talking about. So uh, it's kind of a wait and see at this point and see what happens. Uh, we'll see. All right. And uh, let's see, the Blanc Plane Endurance Series is starting next week. Monza. Saw so you guys that are getting ready for try to make pro in the new uh, in the new uh, Blanc Plane GT series. Yeah, we're going to run a couple cars. So yeah, good luck to you guys. Um, in my opinion, I found the McLaren more difficult to drive this season. I don't know why. But it just seems to not turn very well for me. Uh, obviously, some other people have got it figured out. I haven't yet, which is too bad. But um, uh, but I guess we'll find out. I'm I'm in the McLaren. Where are you guys in? Yeah, McLaren and Carlos. Uh, BMW. And Carlos is in the BMW. All right. Yep. So, uh, but anyways, at least the track like Mid Ohio McLaren was horrible. That's that's, that's all I can say about it. All right, now let's uh, talk a little bit about some of the observations of from the new build that people have seen, and uh, we'll kind of get into more of that because there was a lot of observations, which I said that we're going to talk about here. And um, so the, the first thing that was is that a lot of people had questions on whether or not weaving during cautions does it work and david tucker from my racing stated oh what, what, what would you say a one word answer here? a one word answer the answer is yes the answer is yes so uh go ahead and weave guys i won't complain about it anymore well, you know what's interesting? I thought more people would be doing this, but really not not a lot of people are doing it. Maybe 10% or something or less. Well, it doesn't have something to do with marbles. It does. And uh, obviously we're not seeing marbles in some of these NASCAR races, so good point. Right. And one of the things that I saw, um, Matt Orr has his YouTube video empty, from Empty Box, is what he calls it in his channel. And he did a test with the Indy car where he would run up in the marbles and to do a restart compared to, then he compared cleaning off the tires compared to not cleaning off the tires. Right. And so he would run up in the marbles, not clean off his tires and act like he's doing a restart and he would spin out. And then he would run up in the marbles clean off his tires, you know, do the back and forth, do the fake starts, you know, that kind of stuff like that. And then he would do a restart and then he wouldn't spin out. So he was very happy that this now works. So at least when there's marbles and you can see them and you know, your hot tires are picking them up. That's when you need to do it. Cause I didn't see him doing that today in the race. No, that's because, you know, we're, I don't know how many cautions we had. We had a few, but um, there were, you know, when there's no marbles to have your tires pick up because they're being they're being cleaned. So, you know, and, what about heat? Is, are you, are we heating the tires by weaving? 
Well, it doesn't really say that here, doesn't it? It doesn't. So I guess that's still an answer that we need is, uh, you know, cleaning off the, yeah, this question was specific to cleaning off tires. Is it possible? Yes. But it doesn't say that weaving creates heat, which is, gives you better grip kind of thing. I'm thinking it does. I don't know. I'm thinking it does too. I tell you what, I, um, I had a little incident at Chicago where I spun down through the grass and come back on the track and it's you can barely hang on to it. It picks up dirt and whatnot. It seems that way to me anyway. It took you like a lap or so to get back in the groove. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. But hasn't the hasn't the sim been doing that for a while now? Where if you if you spin, then it seems like you yeah. Have but to I think it's more pronounced, more right, Lance? Oh, it definitely felt. I mean, anytime you spin, you you lose your tires a little bit. But um, getting down into the grass and then coming back up onto the track, it, it was it felt night and day. It felt like I was running on ice. That's what I ran into on Wednesday. I spun off two and got back on the track, spun again, and stopped on the middle of the racetrack, pointing towards traffic, and the caution still didn't come out. But you know, trying to get rolling, I spun the thing the third time. Just a miserable race for me on Wednesday. It would be interesting if they can simulate the fact that it might have rained last night and the grass was all wet and you had got stuck in the mud. That would be cool. <laughs> That'd be a yeah. nightmare. Dirt How confirmed. Many rage quitters there would be. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny. All right. Uh, another thing that, that uh, people have noticed about the new build and marbles is that in some situations, I have not seen this, but in some situations, it looks like nice rows of corn. The situation is Oculus Rift. It's So it's on the Oculus Rift if you're and, using that. And, that's you see it. and it, it, I understand it's related to 16-bit color mode. So your graphics settings on your graphics card, you can have 32-bit mode or 16-bit color mode. Apparently, if you're running 16-bit color mode, you would see this. Uh, but also, it, it was affecting everybody with Oculus Rift, is what I understood, too. So were the marbles really there or not? I don't know. Yeah, it looked like the marbles covered the whole track. Visually, nice, yeah. Nice it, little rows. <laughs> everyone was calling it farming marbles. And the reason, now I'm going to try to, for the audio listeners here, I'm going to try to describe this. Basically, the picture I'm looking at, it has rows of marbles piled up like you're farming potatoes or corn, where you line everything up in, in a line. And there's about a six-inch gap between each row of marbles. And it goes from the top bottom of the track all the way to the bottom of the track all the way to the top. There's rows every six inches of marbles. So it looks like you're farming them. It does look cool. It looks like rows of It's kind of a neat little picture. Uh, uh, But obviously the Oculus Rift guys are like, uh, I think it's broke. Yeah. All right, uh, next one I'm going to just mention real briefly, which was Lucas Oil Raceway was temporarily disabled because of the fact that it would crash your sim whenever you tried to race that. So I believe they have that fixed now in the last mini-update they did. Yeah, they've been doing mul- multiple builds here, and uh, the next one is coming this coming Monday. So Yeah, on the 21st there. So, yep. Um, they also have a Windows 10, which I'm still not going to use until it's, 
the other coming out with Windows 12. Um, Windows 10 has is stuttering mid-race for some A people. lot of people uh, reporting this. Uh, there's seven pages on this one thread alone. Uh, I think this has been ongoing since Windows 10 really came out uh, for a subset of people. I don't know that this is build-related or not, but it is still an ongoing problem for some people. So, Yeah. yeah. My, Go ahead. My, my profession is um, I'm I'm an IT technician, and uh, I've seen enough issues with Windows 10 to where I'm I'm continuing to hold off and sticking with Windows 7 until until they do get some of those bugs wind uh, wound out. So if if you don't have Windows 10 yet, uh, stay away if you're a gamer for a while. That's that's my advice as that's a good professional. Advice, I agree. Now I'm using Windows 8.1. I went to go update my uh, GPU drivers, you know, my graphic drivers, and uh, I restart my computer. Nothing but gray screens. So the only way to fix uh, Windows 8.1 uh, problems is to fill your computer with water. <laughs> <laughs> and Bingo. I just went back to previous drivers and it worked. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I mentioned before on the show, I'm one of those guys that will wait out... Um, operating system releases until uh, it's been out there in the world for a while and all my programs that I run everything that I run has an opportunity to flush out its problems and with the new operating system the operating system has an opportunity to flush out its problems so I'm not one to jump on anything new I always have always wait um, and that's the way it is. Lance, I'm like you. I've been in the IT business for 20 plus years. And uh, so I don't, uh, it's just one of those things I just don't do. I don't, I'm not someone that jumps on anything new. And I hate that little annoying thing that tells me I can upgrade up to Windows 10 all the time. So what else did people see in this uh, new build? Well, a now, smart, uh, I'll jump in. A, a smart guy, Patrick Baldwin, uh, posted in the forums about cloud cover speed difference. And his question is, or what he's questioning, are we gaining the correct amount of grip from cloud cover? Question mark. And uh, he points out several examples with speeds and such. And uh, this is an ongoing discussion, and, and I really don't understand it. We talked about it a little bit offline before the podcast, uh, what's going on here, but uh, some people seem to think that there's an issue. I'm not certain what's going on. Yeah, well, I think as we know, uh, clouds seem to make a difference um, in real life and iRacing on your speed. Given now, the same temperature, right? Yeah, given the same temperature. As you can see, you know, anybody that's watched qualifying for NASCAR, you know, for a while, uh, especially when it was single car qualifying, they talk about, well, they had a cloud that came over, and that's the reason why the guy was a lot faster. So we do know that it makes a difference in real life, and we and we knew that it made a difference here. Cause but I think what Patrick Baldwin is saying is it's making too much of a difference. Uh, what he His specific example is uh, Chicago, and he went from partly cloudy to mostly cloudy, and he picked up over a second between partly cloudy and mostly cloudy. And he's saying that's too much, basically. Uh, the question is, uh, and he would know because of 
that's 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 the only thing. Well, I again, say. you're comparing to NASCAR. You know that implied thing. You know you're you're running a NASCAR. Uh, you know these cars are modeled after NASCAR. And uh, yeah, he's saying, you know, that doesn't happen in real life. So why is it happening here? And then the the conversation goes on. You get some of these engineers uh, talking about it, and uh, it goes right over my head. All right. So uh, I guess that's something that we'll see. Um, we'll see the difference. I know that even like last year, uh, last year for our winter series, we ran Las Vegas, and we and there was cloud cover for that. Um, we always have that dynamic weather for the winter series and there was cloud cover for our Las Vegas thing. And that thing was so grippy and you could turn some real fast laps. And so that was last year that we saw that difference. So, um, you know, I, there might be a bigger difference in it than real life, but all this is programming. And, uh, so it's just, uh, you know, I don't know exactly how and how real life we can get that situation so um but if it's a if it's too big of a difference then then i guess it's too big but again we're all in the same race we're all in the same thing so i guess it is what it is yeah and you know we don't know what they're releasing on monday if they're making tweaks to this kind of stuff or or what they're fixing uh we haven't seen the release notes but uh, we'll see. You know, like you said, it, it's the same game for everybody, so. Yep. All right, and someone did a test. 100% rubber for a six-hour endurance race? Mike? With 50 cars. 50 cars? Yeah, and, and they, uh, it was neat to see the pictures. This isn't a bug, but I, I wanted to point it out. Is if you go search the forums, test mode 100% rubber. Uh, anyway, you'll find that, but the pictures really show, uh, I think what everyone was kind of expecting when they'd run an, uh, a race, uh, when the dynamic tracks first started, we talked about everyone was looking for marbles, but then also everyone was looking for rubber to be laid down on the track. Is it getting darker? And I think we did see that at Richmond. If you compared the beginning to the end, it was a slight difference. It wasn't a lot, but there was some difference, but boy, you can really see the difference in these pictures. Uh, when these guys run 50 cars for six hours. And boy, that line came in nice and dark. So uh, it was kind of neat to look at the pictures. Yeah, that's cool. I'm actually looking forward to some uh, long-distance races. I believe our next real long one is going to be uh, the Uh, Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta. Right. What are they using? Are they still using the same cars, the HPD and everything else? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Uh, HPD in, in the GT3 cars. All right. So I thought they were going to phase in that prototype. I uh, mean the Corvette one? Yeah, wish. The new car? Oh, uh, give us your impressions of that car, Carlos. What, the prototype? Yeah, you, you purchased it and tried it out. Actually, quite a fun car. You know, it drives a lot like... A GT3 car mixed with the, well, the HPD. You know, it's not as quick as the HPD because, hell, they might as well call it the HP Formula 1. But the way it is, I don't know, just you have to drive it more than you, you would an HPD. You don't have the same downforce levels, but it's a lot better than what, than what the old one was. And at the beginning, you know, when it first got released, they had the old prototype sounds. And those just got enhanced uh, in a recent build they just did or a little update. And... 
definitely made a big improvement. Fun car. Have you done any races in it yet? No, I just done practices, but I don't really like the track they're at this week, so I'll wait till next week where they're at the Glen, I believe. All right. Well, uh, let us know on, uh, or keep us updated on how you feel about that new car. Uh, did anybody get the new Toyota Camry? Nope. I've got it. I haven't. I haven't played with it yet. Well, sure. Looks I would imagine. Nice. I would imagine it feels like the other B cars. Should be so, identical. Just uh, the the look of it's different, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, the, all, all the insides for all the B cars and the A cars and the C cars are the same, you know. But uh, yeah, just the looks of these things are different. But uh, yeah, it does look nice. Uh, but uh, I know I haven't purchased it because I got the I have the Ford Mustang and. And I only need one car to race in those series. So, <laughs> yep. side topic Seriously. there, you know, I could, those those the Xfinity cars they, they look more like real street cars than a, a NASCAR Sprint Cup car does. Interestingly, NASCAR has been testing uh, a, a secret car that looks more like these Xfinity cars. They got the the spoiler thing on the bottom, and uh, and I don't know if you guys saw the pictures uh, on Instagram, but. Uh, really looking forward to the direction NASCAR is going with it. So they put it on Instagram? What's the secret then? <laughs> There's no secret, I guess. There's uh, no secret. I don't know. It's kind of like maybe an engineer was posting something he shouldn't have been posting. But, uh, yeah, it was a secret black car, and uh, it looks quite different. But uh, it interestingly looks better, so... All right, Mike, just let you know for the next topic. Uh, you, can, you can discuss that in the hardware. Um, another thing that people have been talking about is the inconsistent track conditions for qualifying. Uh, Mike, what have you heard about that? Well, I'm a, uh, this is another thing I'm confused about, but there's a lot of people on the forums talking about it. Um, where the track conditions are different between uh, sessions in, of qualifying when they're not part of the race. So they talked about Mazda Cup. You can race uh, or qualify every hour on the hour or whatever it is all week long. But what they're saying is, is every time you go into one of those qualifying sessions, you might be a second slower or a second faster because of the track conditions. And so they're saying it's not fair. So the the qualifying sessions have different weather in is what you're saying. Is not that... necessarily different weather, but I think different uh, what they call uh, cloud conditions or whatever. Like the sun is uh, the clouds roll, don't they? Uh, they can be there and then they cannot be there. I guess. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Um, maybe. Yeah, I'm not sure. But you're saying it's it's just different between. The qualifying test. So these are the races where the qualifying is not attached to the race right. session, correct? And the problem is that when they go in, they're not all the same. And so, for example, I'm in a qualifying session where it's track temps 114, and I'm sliding all over the place. And then Carlos gets one, and his track temp is 65. He's got all the grip in the world. <laughs> so is that what you're kind of saying here? Yeah, but I don't think it's that drastic. But uh... well, I know. I just made it real. 
and and I think uh, we we experienced this on our team this last week too, or maybe it was at Richmond. But Jose oh, was in a lower split than us. I think he was three splits three splits lower, and we were doing the ten minute warm up, and we talked about who's fastest. You know, what's the, what are you running times? Everyone in his split was running almost a second faster than the split we were in, which was the second split. And we thought that was strange, you know, because it's the same. We're all in the same race. He's just in a different split. How come he's his? Everybody in his thing is a second faster. Well, yeah, and my thing is that you guys are not in the same race. You guys are actually different races, you're right? Yeah, yeah. Right, and and you know the the weather is probably the same but then also the track conditions see this is part of the dynamic tracks the track conditions might be different than, on his than they were on yours well, the way so, we it, like, yeah, like they were the all out things. warming up and nobody was warming up in mine and so my track was cooler right like let's say for example yeah, like there's that. yeah there's a lot of times on a race session i'm like the first one in there so i'm the first one on the track well i know for my open setup i could not for Chicago, for example, on my open setup, I could not come out of two without spinning on a green track. I had, if, if I was like uh, the sixth or seventh car out there where they already laid out some little bit of rubber, my car was perfectly fine. So you could tell that there would be some difference differences between how many cars are out there, how, how they're running, you know, that type of stuff like that. Now, um, so it's all possible that just because the track conditions were different, that you guys had the different type of timing. That's what I'm saying. Right. So we'll see. It, I, this is an ongoing thing. iRacing really hasn't weighed in on the topic much that I've seen. So uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, they did put out a release on September 16th. Uh, one of the big things that they say here was fixed initially that's causing different splits in the same session. So that's different splits in the same session to have different sky conditions. So that was supposed to be on the 16th. So that was before Chicago. So you guys said that within your team, you guys had different timings. Yeah, I think it was at Richmond. So, yeah, so they did fix the issue. So the issue we just described, it sounds like they fixed. So the, so so the that, sky... The, that was the yeah, build the three days ago, so... Yep, and then they also... Uh, I'm just skipping over some, do some highlights here. They tweak the amount of track rubber that adheres to the tire as it rolls over. So what do you think that is? Higher? Lower? Wasn't existent before. Now it is. It was there. It just wasn't enough. Maybe. So know. you think they added to it? That's what it sounds like to me. All right. Well, I guess we'll find out what uh, what happens. But uh, anyway, just to let you know for the for the my race today on the final restart, I did do some practice starts before I before I did the restart <laughs> to get rid of, to, to get rid of anything that would have been on my tires. That's pretty so, much what I did Thursday too. The same exact thing. Just throttled yep. up and let it go. Throttle back up to see what it would do. Yep. And I did notice, uh, I had some wheel spin. So hopefully, uh, 
hopefully, hopefully I did clean my tires and actually make that restart good. So, um, but otherwise they made some, uh, just some changes to some of the cars, added some uh, new updated uh, uh, fixed uh, setups, uh, which is good. One thing for the Ford Mustang, which I did not know that they did, was they fixed the contingency decal, flipped the wrong way. So that's important stuff, man. That's that is important stuff because when you're you're painting and you're looking at your car, you're like, what the hell? So it's that's important stuff. So anyway, uh, and then of course, as we mentioned, they're having another build coming up on the twenty first, which is real soon, and so we'll see what happens there. Uh, a couple just of uh, i racing uh, announcements is that the. They still have that uh, iRacing referral contest going on. It's valid to uh, September 30th. It's it's where you, uh, if someone new to iRacing signs up and they put in your email address, the one that you have registered with iRacing, and you will get a $10 credit and be entered into the contest Yep. for this. And then they also have uh, what they call an Oktoberfest sale which is a 50% off of all new memberships. And by the way, they do this pretty much year-round now. <laughs> yeah, so, you can always find a deal if you're new to iRacing. You can find yeah. a deal. Yeah, you can always find a deal. One of the, To me, one of the best ways to find a deal is just uh, uh, watch some of the races, uh, like on PSR TV and stuff like they have this uh, deal where you can get the three months for $8 and also get a free late model car. Or whatever. So there's always deals like that to get into. So if you're not part of our racing, it's very easy to jump in, look for a good deal, put in the promo code, uh, put in your friend's uh, email address that they have registered so they can get the 10 bucks, and uh, come join. Have some fun. All right, Mike, uh, we'll let you uh, kind of take over the next stuff. And... Uh, because it's all about hardware, and you are the hardware man. We got a couple hardware items. There was a bug, uh, one more bug item. Uh, the G27 is, is having some problems if you're not using the uh, global profile of your Logitech profiler. Uh, and I'm going to read it, uh, what David Tucker wrote about this. The problem is that we changed how we boot the sim, and for now this is confusing the Logitech profiler causing it to fall back to its default profile instead of using your iRacing profile. We are working on fixing this up on our end, but for now you can set up your default profile to match your iRacing profile, or if you don't use the profile feature, you can just remove all the profiles and keep only the default. So if you're having G27 problems, that's the problem, uh, your Logitech profiler. And it's because the way that the, if you've uh, played the sim at all since the new build, you'll see when it first launches, it actually launches twice. Uh, it first launches, I think, is the easy cheat stuff, and then you'll kind of see uh, the window pop up again, and then it really launches. And uh, yeah, that's where the Logitech software is getting confused. Is it only for G27 or is it for the DFGT too? Not certain about that, but if I think if you use the Logitech profiler, you're uh, can be subject to this bug. All right, and then I could be one of them. I haven't seen anything. 
but that could be one of them. That could be. That means you're probably using the global profile because there's a way to set up individual profiles per game, and that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I yeah, I only got one game on this computer. Right. <laughs> so. so, like, if you had, you had your Forza and your iRacing and your you know Dirt Three and all that different profiles, that could be broken. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Okay, moving on uh, to the next hardware I- item. I found this uh, craziest thing. I've you know I, I've been in this thing for over three years. And I think I've seen it all hardware-wise, and that something new comes out I've never seen before. Well, check out this website, korx.com. K-O, excuse me, I'm not reading it right. K-O-R-F-X.com. I think it means corefx.com. And they are selling this vest. It kind of looks like a bulletproof vest with these big blocks on the shoulders, the front shoulders, uh, like a flak jacket kind of thing. And these are like little rumble boxes and you plug it into your USB port and you get like uh, rumbling on your chest when you play games. Does it zap you if you hit the wall or something? It hurts? If you hit the wall, it'll pound you into the chest. It's craziest thing i've ever seen you know and we've seen seats uh like the g35 seat where it has little flaps that kind of push against your back and stuff when you go around a corner or hit a bump or push against your thigh well this is kind of taking it to the next level and you got these little packs on your front shoulders your front chest that kind of do the same thing oh so i guess i don't have to have someone by me punching me whenever i Hit the wall anymore, huh? <laughs> I, I'm still waiting to see somebody do iRacing with this. Uh, you know, it's not specific to iRacing. It's just for gaming. Uh, it kind of looks like they're catering to the, you know, the shoot 'em up style games, you know, Call of Duty style. So when you get shot, it'll feel like you get shot, you know? So it'll be interesting. I, I'm waiting to see uh, somebody put this on YouTube uh, is playing iRacing. So... If, All you, right. if you have a link, send it over. Uh, the next item is uh, Thrustmaster uh, has uh, some new stuff. And uh, the guys over at IS, ISRTV.com uh, t- did a review. Uh, they had their hands on some. But there's uh, two versions that are going to be available, uh, a PS3, PS4 branded rim, and another one that has Ferrari branding on it. Uh, but it's called the Thrustmaster T150. Anybody know about this? Uh, yeah, it's a, a lower lower version, right? So it's uh, one of the more affordable versions of wheel. Yeah, it says here uh, at less than two hundred dollars. Okay. So it'd uh, be good for the for, for the people that are just starting into sim racing type of deal, then, and just want to get something to uh, get to go cheap. Kind of like the DFGT is with Logitech. Right. The pedals look a little cheap, though. Yeah, well, the pedals are cheap on all, all these low-end yep. stuff. Yeah, no clutch. It's a two-pedal set. I don't think there's a, a, a gear shift. There are paddle shifters on the wheel. And all right. your basic thing. Yeah, so Thrustmaster's actually coming out uh, 
they're doing a lot of stuff, but nothing, nothing's actually really new. They're just kind of breaking up some things, you know, like with their, with their TX servo base, you know, type of thing, which is basically their, you know, their uh, Thrustmaster TX version uh, wheel without the wheel and the pedals. So it's just the base, so you can put any wheel on it. And uh, which is actually very compatible with like the uh, T300RS stuff, um, which is actually the same, almost the same type of base there. So they're actually doing a lot of stuff, but they're not really coming out with anything. Revolutionary, yeah. Yeah, they're just kind of breaking up their their stuff. So they're just coming out with more items, which is fine. I mean, you know, to me, there's such a um, uh, a low market. You know, a lot of the things that people want, like the AccuForces, the you know the the expensive pedals and that kind of stuff. A lot of these things are like out of stock, and people are on waiting lists. And you know, at least Thrustmasters having it seems like they're manufacturing a lot of stuff. They have these things available, so maybe they can flood the market and and actually do a good job because a lot of people, you know, they make good stuff. I will say that, but it um, but at least they're out there manufacturing some stuff and having things available. And so every time you do a a, a search and and see if you can buy something now, let's say, you know, you can always get Thrustmaster product. Yeah. And one more note, the color, I love the, they're, they're black and it's got a blue trim on the wheel. Uh, the Ferrari version has the red trim on it. Uh, and another note, the Ferrari wheel version is only available in Europe. Oh, so have someone in Europe buy it for you and ship it to you. I guess so. Uh, I don't know why they're doing that, but interesting. All right, moving on. Uh, okay, uh, the Artemis Spectrum G633 is poised for a September release, and there's a wireless version as well that will arrive in October. And what I'm talking about is Logitech's new gaming headset, and uh, and that's what they're calling it. The Artemis Spectrum G633. The uh, uh, retail is going to be $149 and $199 for the uh, wireless version. Um, and uh, TechSpot.com has a review of these if you wanted to go check them out. They got uh, they're black with blue trim, which again I love that blue look to uh, blue color on it. Uh, look very much like Logitech's current uh, headphone, but it kind of a different style to them. Buttons are in a different place. They're along the back uh, instead on the, instead of being on the side. So uh, if I was buying one, new headsets, I might be looking at these. All right. And the uh, prices are 149 and 199 respectively for these things. So Yeah, and I think the current Logitech uh, headset is like 120 So it is a step up in price, but... Uh, it looks like there's some some new design there and some quality in in it as well. If you read the review, it's several pages long. Uh, Logitech talks about how they designed it, and they have all these uh, soundproof rooms and different things they use to to figure out what they were going to do. And it is a new design, so it looks like they're sticking with the uh, the uh, material ear cups. So I'm I'm wondering about the sound deadening. Yeah, good question there. That's why I like my G35 so much, because they, they block out 
80, 85% of ambient noise. Right. Yeah, I got I got these $100 Sennheiser wireless headphones, and they don't block out crap. You can hear everything that's going on around. It, it does know. look like they block out. Looking at the picture, Lance, uh, it, it's a similar size. It covers the entire ear. So, Yeah, I have the, uh, the Logitech uh, 430s, and they have the same circumoral um, ear cups, but being that cloth material, they do let in a lot of ambient noise. Versus the kind of rubberish cover? Yeah, the vinyl that's on the G35 really really gives you a nice seal up against your head and and you don't hear people in the next room blabbering. Right. But they can be hot, especially if you live in Arizona like me. Yeah, that's a drawback. I had a pair while I was in Iraq and they they were sweltering. I have to admit, I got real cheap headset, so it is wireless, and that's that's my step up. But it's a Logitech brand, and they're like fifty dollars, so real cheap. And it doesn't block out anything. Yeah, it might actually make some other noises louder for some odd reason. Yep, but. Uh, I know everyone can hear me, and uh, I can hear everything in the in iRacing, so it does work. But the only problem is that uh, if I am racing for a long time, my ears start to bother me. So, so there you go. So maybe someday I'll look at a new headset. So maybe when these, uh, maybe I should look at these someday. You know, I, I was uh, needing new pads on my Logitech headset, and Lance actually told me, "Oh, go just go buy replacement pads." And I did that. But before that, I was thinking about, okay, if I had to buy new stuff, what would I do? I was kind of speculating about in-ear monitors, kind of like the race car driver, real race car drivers use, uh, coupled with just a, a simple clip-on microphone, that you know, lapel mic or something like that. What do you guys think about going that route? That does, just doesn't replicate the kind of sound you need. But you got to remember, I, I'm running engine sound out of a sound system. The only thing I'm, I'm going through headphones with is voice. Oh, those uh, those in-ear plugs are designed to absolutely just block out all that engine noise. You'd have to have it just blasting to to be able to hear it. I, I, it might work for you. I don't know anybody that does it, but I, having having worn them in a race car, it's um, really blocks uh, it. Huh? Yeah, it really blocks out the noise. Interesting. Well, I love to turn it up, and I know my wife loves that too. But <laughs> all right, let's move on. The, the final hardware item. Uh, there's a new uh, motion sim out there called uh, I think it's called Face Tech is .net, and it's F A S E Tech .net. And the craziest looking motion sim I've ever seen. I'm going to try to describe it verbally, but. You, you need to put this in the middle of a room, okay? You couldn't put it against the wall or something because it literally spins around. And it's it's got everything on a kind of center pivot point, and it's literally got wheels that roll uh, to spin the thing left or right. And uh, the little video here, uh, everything is attached. The, the steering wheel, the pedals, the monitors, the, uh, the seat, all of that is attached to the motion part that's moving around, so everything is moving. And it can spin to the left and to the right and go up and down, and it's got these little hydraulic things that move it up and down, and uh, kind of a cool-looking thing. 
Uh, I don't know if it's a real product. Obviously, there's one because he's got a video of it. But he does have a Kickstarter started. Uh, he wants $100,000, which seems like a lot. Uh, he's already raised uh, $7,200 from seven backers. Uh, 17 days to go on this Kickstarter. Uh, I'm not one to usually fund Kickstarters, but kind of a neat uh, new sim idea. Uh, check it out. All right. And then I think we're uh, going to close the show. I think we're going to have our final thoughts. So, Lance, let's start with you. You got any final thoughts for the show today? Um, well, I had the opportunity to go run some uh, hot laps at a uh, at a road course over in Minneapolis this weekend, and I can tell you that um, the experience from iRacing, especially with the Kia Optima, since I drive a front-wheel drive car, um, really transfers onto uh, the real ro- real track, and um, I, it, it blew me away how much I learned from the sim and how much that uh, that that transferred over. Very cool. Carlos, you got anything? Oh, like 100 just a few words. Uh, Corvette Daytona Prototype. Go get it. Fun car. That is all. Yeah, you can also uh, check out uh, Carlos's video on his YouTube channel, which is uh, Sim Racing Chewy Side. Is that correct, Carlos? Yep. And you can check out his video. He has the new sounds of a Corvette out there and stuff. And, of course, uh, you can always track check out his track guides that he has. Mike, any final thoughts? Uh, man, just excited about NASCAR iRacing series. Uh, I'm 16th, 17th in points overall, and uh, really trying to get to 15th uh, with these nine races to go. Uh, excited to be in Jay Heishman's uh, chase for the championship in Division Two as well, and hope to do well there. Uh, I'm having fun, so uh, hope you guys are too. All right. Uh, my final thoughts is that for the overall build, um, I'm very pleased with. I, I think the dynamic tracks were is uh, is what we were expecting. It is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun racing different lines. Um, the seeing the, the rubber build up and running maybe a little off of that and. And so I think that iRacing's done a wonderful job on putting that out. It, uh, it, it has uh, exceeded my expectations, and I'm sure it's going to even do more uh, in the long run here. So I'm very happy with that. I also want to uh, thank everyone who's been messaging me on my, uh, congratulating me on my win in Chicago. I appreciate that, guys. I've been uh, here recording a podcast, so I haven't been able to get back to y'all. But uh, uh, thank you all for the messages, and uh, appreciate that. And uh, just want to let you know that you can uh, check out iRacers Lounge on Twitter at iRacers Lounge, Facebook, our YouTube channel. And uh, you can uh, bookmark our website at iRacers Lounge. Uh, to download the podcast, you can find us on SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spreaker. Uh, I think I caught them all, Mike. But uh, you can also uh, email us at iRacers Lounge. Uh, we will take any topic idea. We will throw it on the show. If you want to be a guest, please contact Mike or myself, um, and we'll have you on. And uh, anyway... That's it. See ya. 
Thanks for listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on YouTube, follow on Twitter and Facebook, and SoundCloud. See you on the track.